Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And welcome to Most Likely To. The podcast where two high school best friends voted most likely to be on the real world, bring you through the challenge, reality TV, pop culture, and everything in between. I am Paige. And I'm Sean. And here we are for episode number two. I still can't believe we're doing this, but I'm so excited about it. Me either. I love doing this. I do too. I really appreciate um, people that have already subscribed rate and reviewed um yes thank you and i know you guys all probably know this but it does help if you download it so even if you download it and um immediately like delete it off your phone it still counts as a download that's what i do for podcasts so we've gotten a few reviews so far and i really appreciate them it's hard for me to figure out who's who obviously um just depending on like the names um, of the people, but shout out to Ben from off the hook podcast who has not only helped us like with some of the logistics of launching this, but left a review. Appreciate you, Ben. You guys listen to off the hook for sure. Um, and then hitman Hughes, um, he follows me on TikTok. He's been a supporter from the beginning. I really appreciate your review. Um, and I just like appreciate your support. You're one of my faves. And I know there's a lot of other people that I've listened to, um, Jessica, Amy, Shelly, like I appreciate you guys. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to shout out people that support you. Okay. So we have a lot of shows to talk about today. I know it's crazy. I think we'll just focus on like maybe the three big ones that we are involved in so big brother premiered last night right and then just so you guys know we record on thursdays um so when we talk about big brother we'll always be two days behind i believe Mm -hmm. that's right okay yeah so it premiered last night i never seen it before um i know you hadn't either but our followers Pretty much said we have to watch Big Brother, so we listen to (laughs) (laughs) y'all. How do you feel about it being live? Because that's a format I'm not used to. So, like, how do you feel about live reality TV just as a whole? Well, I mean, that has to be hard for everyone involved. But I think especially because I feel like so much of reality TV is about editing it to tell a certain story, right? And so when you do something live, 
like this. It's not like doing a fictional TV show live where you just have to be really well rehearsed. It's really like kind of like what you might imagine reality TV. I mean, it's kind of the direction that we've gone with social media, right? Which is like people doing things live and really getting this unedited kind of raw glimpse into this kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting. It's different. Yeah. I like that. Um, My friend Jenny, shout out to her. She's like a big brother fanatic. And so she kind of explained to us the rules ahead of time. So like I kind of understood um, one thing that I wasn't prepared for, and I'm sure nobody else was either, was that instead of playing as individuals, they are playing in teams. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm going to like that or not like that. Cause I don't know the difference, but obviously playing a team game versus an individual game changes the dynamic. But in my opinion, I think team games can also allow people to coast, like coast by for a little while and kind of get away with maybe not being the best player. So that's my only take on team games. It's like a group project, right? But the thing is, is unlike in a group project, you're probably going to get exposed in this kind of thing. Like in the end, that's how it's kind of like drag race. Like, cause in drag race, if you just coast along the whole time, I mean, they always bring this up. Some shady queen will say something like, Oh, so-and-so has been coasting this whole time. And eventually the queen that's coasting usually gets voted out eventually because they become exposed. You can't really fake it till you make it in these kinds of shows. Exactly. So, so just like a really quick recap, if you haven't watched any of Big Brother yet, this will be a spoiler for you, but we're not going to go like on any spoiler sites and look ahead or anything like that. But this is what happened last night. So um, there's four teams total. And then there was like a first round of competitions So each of the four winners became captains of those teams. And then there was a draft. Um, So it's, it's like a casino gambling theme this year, which is kind of cool. So there's team Joker, team aces, team Kings and team queen. And then they obviously have leaders on all of them. Um, So Frenchie is the leader of team Joker. And then team aces is Whitney team Kings is Christian and Team Queen is Claire. And then obviously they had people fill in from there. Um, Frenchie won or got the head of head of house hold, um, which means his whole team is safe. So obviously teams are important this season. Um, but yeah, so that's like kind of how it shook out yesterday. I The only thing I think was like awkward about it being live is like they like didn't know what to say. So it was like right. a little quiet, if that makes sense. But um, I'm interested to see who Frenchie decides to nominate for eviction. And I am interested to see um, if there's any drama. So as far as like who I like so far, and I know it's like too soon to tell. I really like Whitney a lot. Um, and I really like both of the Derricks. But just based on, like, personality, not, like, gameplay at all, if Brittany left, I would not be sad. If if Brett left, I would not be sad either. So I would say Brittany and um, Brett, they got to go for me. And for me, um, like, I have a crush on Xavier. So that's what I'd like to say. And in terms of elimination, I would not be bothered if Christian were eliminated. Like, 
get over yourself. Yeah, I get that (laughs) also. My first thing too is, of course, like as a challenge fanatic, I'm like looking at it. I'm like, all right, who's going to be on the challenge? Like I'm trying to figure out like which one of them would be suited for the challenge and I can't figure it out so far. But for some reason, I have a feeling that Christian's going to be around for a while. But you never know. But Whitney is so hot. I just love her and her blonde braids. And she took her, like, wedges off. I don't know. I really liked her. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's like because it's like a first impression. A lot of people can make a good one. A lot of people can make a bad one. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. I'm excited to continue watching the season. And I hope um, as the drama continues that I will be more involved. I really liked Derek, um, not Derek from Philadelphia, the other Derek, when he was like, my parents want me to be a doctor or a lawyer. And so I'm going on reality TV. (laughs) (laughs) Make them proud. So just like skipping to Love Island, we watched this on accident. (laughs) It comes on right after Big Brother. Um, so they're in Hawaii this year, which is beautiful. Um, and to be fair, I didn't really know the, um, anything about Love Island before. Did you? No, I had only seen this like on accident before and it was not in English. So Dutch Love Island. Yes. Dutch Love Island. Um, but there's five girls and then there was five guys and they coupled up. I thought the coupling was really awkward. It would be really weird to be like sitting there and being hot, but still nobody's picking me, even though I'm hot. <laughs> I think that's awkward. Um, well, they coupled up and then they started like mingling, AKA making out. And then two more people joined them. So now there's seven guys and five girls. So that'll be like, interesting to see how that plays out like who's gonna get eliminated first and the voting and all that stuff but sean and i decided we were gonna rank the guys on how hot we think they are i rated them a little bit on personality too sean i don't you did not no of course not you don't care i care a little i should have but yeah no i get it i only rated like two of them like I'll t- I guess I'll tell you as we go through. So we'll start at the bottom, who your number seven is. The least hot of the hot for you. Christian. Okay. I'm sorry, Christian, but the hair is a no for me. That's fine. Um, Josh was my number seven, and he maybe would have been a little bit more up there, but I just, like, hated his personality a lot. So that was my number seven. Number six. Okay, so we're going up. So number six is Jeremy. Again, just there. I just want to say that this is really hard to do because they're all like clean shaven mm-hmm. and like have the same body type. Like I, at the end of the day, I think I ended up ranking this based on tattoos because okay. I have to. But into tattoos or no? I just want to say that like it's hard because almost like none of these people would be my type in the first place. Okay. This would be a hard, hard show to be on. I think. <laughs> well, are you into tattoos or no? Yes, definitely. That's why the two people okay. I've chosen so far don't have any like tattoos all over their chest. And then when we get to the top, you'll see okay. what I'm talking about. 
Well, I'll like say mine and then I'll say my type after. Um, my number six was Will. And he was the one that came in like mm. towards the end. Um, and he has like an accent. He was just like too pretty for me. Like that that's why I didn't rank him very high. He was like too pretty. Um, I see what you mean. Yeah. My number five was Jeremy though. So like I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah. Um, he just again, too pretty. I don't like someone with I don't like long hair on a guy typically. So that's me. Yeah. It really depends. It doesn't work though for me. Yeah. The girls loved him though. So, I mean, you know, good for them. Then my number five is Josh. Okay. Which violates the whole tattoo thing, but sorry, because I had to put someone else next in the number four slot. So who is your number four? Will. Okay. My number four was Corey. Corey. Corey was my number four because one, I didn't think his tattoos were all that good. And then two, I like his hair, but I don't like his eyes. Like, I don't know. I can't explain it. There was just like something about him, like obviously super hot because that's like the whole point. But um, Mm -hmm. it, it didn't like, it didn't ring any bells for me. So I wouldn't have stepped forward for any of them. So for Corey, Jeremy, Will, or Josh, those were my like bottom four. I wouldn't have stepped forward for any of them personally. So, yeah. I put Corey as my number three. Okay. And part of the reason is the tattoos. Mm. Um, But I don't like look really close at the tattoos, you know? I just like, oh, there's lots of tattoos. I like that. But Maybe I should look more closely. Well, Josh has a um, tattoo on his side that says reckless. And so that's a, that's a no from me. Corey was your number three. Okay. So yes, he was the other guy that came in, um, like wasn't coupled up Cinco. He was my fifth or my third. I, like him <laughs> i don't know i can't explain <laughs> i said that all creepy i just really like <laughs> he has like good skin and he has tattoos but they're not like covering i don't know it was just the yeah they're thing. very subtle yeah i liked him and i like very his subtle tattoos Cinco. like yeah i liked him so i would have stepped forward for him he was my number three he was my number two okay um, Giovanni was my number two, and okay. I definitely want to step forward on him. And we're like pretty close to having the same ranking, just like shifted a little bit. Yeah, I liked his hair. I like his eyebrows. His tiger tattoo doesn't really bother me, but I really liked that. Um, like everybody like walk like the guys like walked out and were like, "Hi, this is me." But he like went down the water slide and got in the pool and stuff, and I just thought that was fun. I was surprised nobody stepped forward for him, but I would have. So he would have been stuck with my ass. So, (laughs) yeah. And your number one? Giovanni. Okay. My number one was Christian. (laughs) What? Christian. We did this in in the right order, right? Like number one is the top one. I just want to make sure. He's the one that I would want the most. Hmm. Okay. (gasps) That was so judgy. We had, we were having the same ranking. We were on a good, 
path there. And then, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't like really muscly guys and he's not super muscly. Like he has muscle. That is true, but he has like, I don't like the hair. And, but that's the thing is I wish there were more body types. I wish they had more hair. Like everyone is so 2000s, like GQ, you know? Uh, do I like body hair on a man? Like some. I guess I don't care. I like um facial hair. Yes. Not like full beard. Like I guess I don't know. A lot of people think I have a very specific type, and I definitely do. Like I do. I, I like tattoos and like kind of grungy. I've dated a lot of <laughs> tattoo artists, but that's not who I'm currently with. And I think I like like to look at those types. And like it when they buy me dinner, but I like to fall in love with the complete opposite. So I don't know. I would have stepped forward on Christian. I have a feeling he's not going to last very long, though. Um, That's just my vibe. I have a feeling we're stuck with Josh for a while. I have a feeling we're stuck with Jeremy for a while. So, you know, whatever. All of the girls are absolutely beautiful, which I guess is the point. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how this show goes. I'm invested, y'all. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, we're going to put a poll up on our Instagram for you guys to vote on who you want to see win with the guys and the girls. Um, there is a right answer, just so you know. <laughs> when I do Instagram polls, I have right – I they're more like friendship <laughs> tests to me. It's more for me to like see who had the right question. I was actually just going to write an Instagram story because I asked a question on an Instagram poll, and I already knew the answer I wanted, and I just wanted people to confirm it. And they're not voting for the right option. So I'm thinking of taking the poll down. So I'm not very scientific. My number one was your number seven. So, you know. Yeah, so I, I will be moderating this poll because I can be trusted. <laughs> for the girls, um, I think Kyra or Trina are the hottest. But that's just me. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think they might bring more girls in. Who knows? Um, but that Trina is very pretty. Trina's so pretty, and she's a psychiatric nurse, which I think is um, awesome. And then Kyra's just like that island vibe, and I love that. I mean, obviously, they're all hot. That's again, that's the point. So, we're gonna just switch gears to our last um show that we're talking about Below Deck Med, which came back about two weeks ago. I'm obsessed with Below Deck, all the Below Decks, they're having two new franchises coming out. Below Deck Australia and Below Deck, like, Arctic. So they're either going to Antarctica or, like, Iceland, something like that. Maybe Alaska. I don't really know. Um, anyway, Below Deck Med came back, and um, I'm stoked. Stoked on it. We're going to have some Below Deck guests for you guys. But luxury super yachts is not a relatable thing at all. 
No, it's in like a dream, maybe, but right. I have no, I have, I would have no idea what it's like to be on one. I'll probably never be on one because I can't check up with old men. So <laughs> we haven't really had one of those situations on Below Deck in a long time, actually. Now that I think about it, no, really. I just feel like all the super yacht people are like rich old men. There are a lot of young accidental millionaires. Like they invented an app or um, sports. A lot of sports stars I've noticed are on it. I don't know if you've noticed. Oh, yes. Yeah, sports sports stars. (laughs) Sports stars. Athletes. What the hell? Yeah, athletes. Like (laughs) I'm making fun of you, but while you were thinking, I was also thinking, like, what do we call sports stars? (laughs) Athletes. Oh my god! I can't believe I did that. I actually watch sports too. Uh, your only sport is drag race, and I watch actual. Sp- anyway. Oh my god! Sports stars. Okay, and that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Um. So below deck med is back. They are in Croatia, um, which is cool. But it's during COVID, which is crazy. Um. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you guys, we have like some below deck guests coming, which I'm stoked about. But we have some, we only have two returning people Malia, who she did not end the last season very well with fans. And then Captain Sandy, which I think it's 70 30, like 70%, like don't want her to come back and 30 do. So we'll see maybe if they're different this season. But episode number one, their chef quit. Well, he didn't quit. He, um, his knee hurt and he went to got an ep- to get an MRI. And so he wasn't around for the first dinner and they cooked like steak. And I don't know how you like your steak, but it was like kind of slimy looking. It was not good. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> well, that brings me to my ultimate question. Mm-hmm. If you could charter a super yacht, what would your preference sheet say for like activity? Okay, we can oh, start with food. Well, oh, I know. Like codfish. Anything with codfish, like the way Not that they prepare it in Portugal. Just really quick, by the way, you're a pescatarian. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know that word. So I just say I'm a vegetarian until I order fish, and then I see if someone knows what that word is. So pescatarian, because yes, I love like codfish, salmon, anything like that. So on my preference sheet would probably be like codfish. And we're at sea, so maybe it can be fresh. I don't actually know where cod comes from. (laughs) I think that people know the word pescatarian because Sonia Morgan from The Real Housewives spent an entire season telling people she was vegan while eating fish. And then everybody (laughs) tweeted her the word and then... She didn't stop using the word. So anyway. I okay. Think so it is entering the common vocabulary. It has. Um, I did not know that. I don't know if I would want anything specific. Like I can't cook steak very well. So I would like steak. I would like a lot of um, seafood, but I don't want plated dinners. I want like family style. Here's all this, you know, like you serve your, I guess they serve you anyway, but Almost like buffet family style is what I would want. And then um, I would want like an assortment of desserts, not like a specific dessert, if that makes sense. 
Yes, like when you're at a really fancy restaurant and they bring out that whole cart of desserts and you get to like point at things. Yes. I've never been to a restaurant like that. I don't think I have either. Maybe it doesn't exist. Maybe it's just a movie thing. Maybe it's just in Matilda only. Because that's where you got it from, Matilda. (laughs) That's not where I got it from. (laughs) Okay, so that's what I would want for food. And then for activities, I think I would want the big water slide that they bring out. And I would want to do jet skiing, but I wouldn't make the deck crew bring all of the water toys out all of the time. But I would want the deck crew to take me scuba diving. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For activity, I'm very, I feel like I'm very simple. Um, but this is kind of luxurious. I want like a big projector at the back of the boat where a big screen comes down. And so I can watch like movies or play video games while the sun is setting behind the screen. Okay. That sounds really fun to me. But I also, I haven't been on a jet ski in forever. And now that you say that, that sounds really fun, especially when the water is really clear and you can see down really far. Maybe you can see like a shark or something. That would be fun. I saw a shark in Bali. Not that fun. The guy Were told you me. swimming? Mm-hmm. So we went scuba diving and the guy told us there was going to be no, we asked him like seven times, are there sharks? And he said, no. He said no like a bunch of times. So we're down there for like 30 minutes and we saw a freaking shark. And then we went back to the boat and we're like, there's a shark. And he was like, only a small shark. And we were like, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, they're they're harmless, right? They're, well, they're not harmless, but they don't eat. They don't just come up and eat people. No, I mean, not where we were. And I mean, people all over the, uh, all over the world, really, because it's Australia, Cape Cod, they're getting um, attacked by sharks right now, which... What? Yeah. Cape Cod? Isn't that far up? There's sharks there? Dude, Jaws was based on Cape Cod. That's where Jaws I don't think I've seen Jaws. Goodbye. (laughs) Cut all of that because you sound dumb. (laughs) And it also sounds like I want people to get eaten by sharks. But yeah, so scuba diving. I didn't know that. Yeah, scuba diving would be fun. I'm not really about the water toys. And then everybody always requests a theme party. And what I would want to do is, like, I would want to do 90s cultural icons. And then I would dress like Pamela Anderson. And then whoever was the hottest one on the deck crew, I would make him be Tommy Lee. If I didn't have my man there with me. Which, why would I go (laughs) to yacht without my man? But you know what I mean. Oh, a theme party. I think it would be fun to do a mask. Like, the masks where you get, what was that line in Schitt's Creek? Where David wanted to do a mask party and his boyfriend was like, we're not to, oh, with the Venetian glass, Venetian oh, glass yeah. masks. <laughs> that well, would be fun to do because we are in the Mediterranean, right? So. Yeah. The first two episodes of Below Deck has been the same charter, which I'm over them. I think they're annoying. But the reason I think they're annoying is because they're so drunk. They are drunk, <laughs> drinking from 8 a.m. to like midnight. And that's maybe the one thing about a luxury yacht that I would never do. I wouldn't be drinking. I don't drink. I feel like you get seasick from like, I can't drink like that on land anymore without getting all dizzy and stuff. Imagine doing it when the boat is rocking back and forth. No. So Mm -mm. yeah, I agree. So final below deck question. Do you think chef Matt is going to make it through the entire charter season? No. I think no also, but I don't think he's going to quit. I think he's going to get fired. 
Why do you think he's going to get fired? Attitude. I think, well, um, the last episode, Sandy called yacht support. I don't know who you call. <laughs> <laughs> called yacht support and um, asked them to quarantine another chef just in case there was a problem. I just have a little bit of a feeling there's going to be a problem. So <laughs> that's just my vibe. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, y'all. So we have a really exciting interview for you because I think the moments, one of the most prolific moments in the challenge, especially fights-wise, because it wasn't even really a fight, was um, between this person and CT. I think a lot of people remember it. He was on The Real World Denver, multiple seasons of The Challenge, and now he has a very successful music career. Please enjoy our interview with Davis Mallory. Davis, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me on. We are so excited. A lot of people on my channel like always ask about you, so I was so grateful that you... Um, had the time to be part of this because I know you're super busy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start with challenge and real world questions. So the first question is, um, what made you want to go on the real world? Well, when I was in high school, back in the 90s, I watched the real world. And one of the influential seasons for me was real world. I think it was Chicago. There was a gay character on there named Chris. And something about him I felt like familiar or maybe like I was, I guess I was dealing with whether or not I was gay, you know? So watching him on that show kind of like helped me in my coming out process to myself. And I remember the year that I saw that show, um, this was back when the real world sold books and they were kind of like photo memories, candids and stories with the cast. And in the back of the book was an application to try out to be on the real world. And I was in high school and I started to fill it out. And as I saw the questions, I started thinking, I don't think I'm going to get on the show. So I never turned it in. And then fast forward, I'm at my last year of college. I'm now 21 and I've just come out of the closet. And I got this wild idea four or five years later to actually try out for the show and looked online and found that they were conveniently doing an open casting call in my state of Florida three days later. So it was just like perfect God's timing moment. And I went over with two of my close girlfriends and drove to the audition. And that's what got me through uh, the beginning of getting on the show. That's amazing. Are you allowed to share any of the questions um, that were on the original application? Because I'm kind of curious. To be honest, I don't recall them at all. I don't even. And I later found that book and I later found where all I had written was my name and nothing. I didn't answer any of the questions. So I think I was just reading them and was like, I don't feel like I have the right answers to get on the show. I mean, I was a high school kid too, so I was probably too young. You know, I was still living with my mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember some of the ones when I actually did it at 21. 
and there were questions like, what's your most embarrassing moment? Um, I remember there was a question about interracial dating, um, you know, political questions. They, they really wanted you to talk about social issues that were important and still are today. And that's what those questions were about. Like, you know, things like that. That makes sense why they would ask that. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were on the real world Denver, Mm -hmm. um, which has some of the most iconic castmates. And actually between the real world Denver and the real world Hawaii, probably my favorite house, um, like the house I wish I would have lived in. Um, But do you keep in contact with any of your housemates? I know you and Brooke were very close. You know, you said Hawaii and Ruthie and I are close as well. I talk to her pretty frequently. Um, she was trying to champion me to be on her team for this reboot of the real world road rules challenge on Paramount network. Um, she was like, come on and be on my, you know, be my Alliance. I would love that. Yeah. Um, as far as my season goes, Brooke is probably my closest friend. I mean, I literally live a mile from her right now. I see her almost every week, talk to her definitely every week. We have plans on the 4th of July weekend to go kayaking down the Tennessee river together with a group of friends. So she's like my lifelong, she feels like a sister to me that I made from that show. Um, Tyree and I are close. I mean, he and I talk pretty frequently second to Brooke. I probably talked to Tyree more frequently than anyone else. Um, he just did a movie this summer and he asked me to share it on my socials to help, you know, kind of push out the movie that he was in. And he's, we've been talking about him and I, having him be in one of my music videos, which I think would be really cool um, to do. And then I saw Coley in New York City right before the whole pandemic thing happened. I was up in New York and we had lunch. She's a manager of a bowling alley or bowling company called Bullmore Bolero. And so I've seen her. I haven't seen Jen, Jen or Alex in years. Like I haven't even seen Alex since the show. So... He's the one I oh, love wow. least. Um, I've seen Jen because I did some challenges with Jen. And Steven, right. I saw he was in Nashville not so long ago, and we got together and hung out. So that's my lineup of my cast. That's interesting. I like. I love that you and Brooke like are so close, and I love that you and Tyree are close because like obviously on your season, you guys had like some back and forth. So that's really great that you guys – like stay in touch. I'm going to have to check out his movie for sure. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe I can't think of what it is right now, but I'm, let me Google it and maybe I can mention it. Okay. And we can post it in like the footnotes too. Um, for people that we have like this new thing on my TikTok channel where we try to find like weird movies that challengers were in mm-hmm. like at Bert, like, you know, when the real world was like huge, everybody was in like a, z-list horror movie that's like our new thing Ah, (laughs) but we'll find it yeah okay Um, this is what he's in go watch it guys yes i'll look i'll look it up sean while you're asking the next couple okay cool yeah so you earlier you were talking about how you came out like in your senior year of college and shortly after that you were on the real world uh denver which came out i think in 2006 and so obviously that's a time, um, at least in the U.S., when attitudes toward you know homosexuality and people coming out are just about to start changing. I think probably around 2010 was when I started to feel kind of a shift in that. So 
Um, like, do you think being out publicly was kind of a freeing experience for you on the real world at the time? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely freeing because I felt like coming out on such a national TV show like The Real World that people just knew I was gay before they met me, which was Mm -hmm. weird to feel that feeling because prior to that, I felt like people didn't know. You know, there was that, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm gay. Unless you really acted gay, like I felt like I had to tell people I'm gay. And then when I did the show, I just felt like people just was like, oh, he's the gay guy. You know, it was like very, it was a very big way to come out. That's what I would say. Um, yeah. And I, and I've said this before on a, I did a Ted talk, but when I came out, Lance Bass, sorry, when I was on the real world, Lance Bass came out with his cover cover on people magazine, like Mm -hmm. printed while we were filming. And before him, there wasn't a lot of openly gay male figures. You know, if you think back Ricky Martin, wasn't out yet. Adam Lambert and Sam Smith and Troy Sivan, they were all much later. So I didn't see openly gay i mean there was elton john and later on freddie mercury which i guess were a little too old to have an influence on me and they also weren't Mm -hmm. known to really be very openly gay in their youth so having someone like troy savon or sam smith or adam lambert who kind of just started off openly gay was really inspirational for me as both a musician and as a person going through you know coming out those guys were like yeah spearheads yeah, and I mean, it's definitely courageous at the time. I mean, like you said, not a lot of public figures like that are out at the time. It's kind of scary. You don't necessarily know how people are going to react to it at the time and definitely helped pave the way for for people in the future to feel more comfortable about that kind of thing. So in uh, The Inferno 3, it was kind of rough to watch because you were assaulted for basically no reason. So how did that shape um, your challenge experience? So I get to the Inferno three and like everyone is there that is older than me. I'm, I'm the newest cast being on the real world, Denver and then filming Inferno three, literally before the real world even aired on TV, I was filming that show. So I was like the young ones. And obviously we were feeling having watched the show that young ones usually get kicked off first. They're viewed as like less, you know, less superior ranking, less, less political alliances. And so I was immediately feeling that sense of I'm going to get picked on on this show and I'm probably going to, and I was, I mean, I was called into the Inferno almost every single time, every week I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, But that happened later on from what you're discussing. So what you're discussing is the fact that CT kind of famously punched me in the face and got kicked off of the show for that moment. And that was hard because I was, I mean, I, I had like a piece of something in my cheek chipped off, like in my cheekbone. And I had a black eye. And when the photos were printed of me on the real world, uh, Inferno, like I have makeup covering a black eye because I was really badly hit. Um, so, yeah, I definitely started off that show with like a damper. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's – I I remember that and – I was younger when the Inferno three, I think the Inferno three was what? 2007. Yes. So I was still, I was still in high school and I remember being so confused. And then yeah. I feel like obviously it was like very, cause the episodes then were only 30 minutes long. Yeah. So I feel like it was so heavily edited and I was like, I don't understand what happened, but I know Davis did nothing wrong. 
And like, that's all I really like got out of it as a viewer. And even now, like all the streaming services, they don't stream the Inferno three at all. Really? Not at all. So you have to, and I'm, you know, I'm not bashing anybody, obviously any fight that CT is in either the entire season isn't being streamed or the episode is completely removed. That's interesting. I wonder why there must be some legality to that. There's something there because, you know, obviously that. I never never did this and I I don't think I ever would, but like when they brought him back on another show that I was on, I was like, they're pretty much setting myself up and others for violence. And then he didn't attack me, but he attacked Adam King from his season. Very, very badly attacked him. And I'm like, there's a lawsuit works here. If someone really wanted to make a case, I think it really, I think you handled the situation very well. Even like being a 16 year old watching it, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, He's handling it well. So yeah, probably not so, the best memory. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> probably not the best memory, but I appreciate you being open about talking about that. Of course. Yeah. Um, so you talked about like going into elimination a lot. Um, and you, uh, you did pretty well in eliminations overall, but is there somebody that you did not get the opportunity to go against that you wish you would have? You know, it's interesting when you say that because the first thing that comes into my mind is big, easy Evan. And the reason that he comes to my mind is I competed on the, uh, what was it? The duel two in New Zealand. And Mm -hmm. strategically, I chose Evan, who won the whole show, to go up against. Because in my mind, if I could beat Evan, I was beating the winner of the show, predicted to be the winner of the show. I would basically take out my biggest competition. And I would also show everyone else on the show that don't pick Davis because he just took out the biggest guy on the show. My second choice was Big Easy. He, to me, was the easiest guy on the show. He was like overweight. He was not going to be a hard challenge to, and I could have picked him. And if I had picked him, I would have stayed on that show longer, but I chose Evan and Evan beat me and I got sent home and the whole flight home. I kept thinking I should have chose big easy because if I picked people that were more easy for me to beat, I would have lasted longer. and Things my fate would have been different. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I think it would be hard and Sean, I don't know how you would handle it. I would want to go against somebody that I could like prove myself against, but at the same time, like I don't want to go home either. So it's it's kind of a double edged sword. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, when I play video games, I try to like attack the weakest enemies, <laughs> so I feel like I accomplish something and stick around longer. So yeah, yeah definitely, <laughs> probably would have chosen someone a little bit easier just to prolong my time. Yeah. There. Is there um, a particular season that you wish you would have done that you either couldn't do or didn't have the opportunity to do? I mean, within the realm of the real world road was challenges. I would have loved to have been on even older versions of them than the ones I was on because those old ones have such a, I don't know. They have like such really cool casts of like people that see, as I grew up and I got older, I became less and less a fan of the new cast Whereas the old casts were like heroes to me. So like anything from the first you know few years of the challenge, with, I would have loved to have been on some of those. I haven't admittedly watched a lot of the challenges since I finished. So I can't really quickly say like, oh, I wish I was on this 
challenge because I don't watch it anymore. No, I totally get that. I think a lot of um, like a lot of people that I interact with on social media, they miss the old challenge. We're always like, can we have the Infernos back? Like that kind of stuff. So I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Um, I just have a really quick question, Sean, before you ask yours. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously uh, we love her and miss her. Were you close with DM at all? Because um, I know you were on the Duel 2 together. So DM and I have a few common threads. One was that my mom's best, like absolute best girlfriend from childhood has a daughter the exact same age as me. And she and DM were sorority sisters. Oh, so wow. prior to meeting DM, our childhood friend had connected us. DM was on Fresh Meat. The same year I was on The Real World. So we basically came into the family of Real World Road Rules people at the same moment. And she just finished Fresh Meat when she and I were you know, starting to get to know each other. It was At the time, it was just through email. Um, and she, was, she gave me this tip before I went off and did my Inferno 3. She's like, be careful of saying something super cocky because they love to put that right when you fall and you make a mistake, you know? So I was like, thanks for the tip. So I tried not to ever be like, I'm going to do amazing today because I knew that they would use that rare moment when I would, you know, mess up. Um, she and I later met in person when we were booked to give a college speech together. They used to do this a lot with real world people. They would pair you with someone else and you'd give like a school speech or go to a bar together. So one time she get, and she gave this speech about how if you have a career dream, find someone who's done it, ask them the steps they took to do it, and then apply that to your own dream. And she wanted to be someone like Katie Couric, and Katie was her role model, and that's what she did in order to grow her career as a host in the news and the entertainment world. And I think in a way that definitely influenced me on my own dream of becoming a musician. And I started applying that to when I met people who were in the same role I was. I was asking them questions and trying to think, okay, how can I do that? So when she passed away, I was in Nashville, and I'd already had a songwriter scheduled in Nashville that day. And I came into the room and I was really saddened and I was like, I want to write a song about her. And so I wrote with these two really well-accomplished songwriters in Nashville who've had like number one country hits, um, Ben Goldsmith and Tori Toulier. And we wrote a tribute. It was, I want to say it was my first time ever writing with them. And we wrote Beautiful Girls DM song and then kind of rushed it out the door and put it online just because she just passed away. And it's the first original song I ever released at that point in time, I'd written songs before, but I just never felt confident enough to release them. So it was my first original song. So in a way, I feel very tied to her in my career as well as, as being a friend. That's like very beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I know that, you know, people that know her and didn't know her were inspired by her. So yeah. I think everybody will love to hear that. Yeah. If you want me to, I can play you Tyree's movie. Yes, tell us Tyree's movie. And I also, I, when I was Googling, I found out that Tyree named his daughter part of her name after DM too. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. His daughter is beautiful. I just, on Father's Day, shared a picture of the two of them together. He's got a beautiful little girl. I told him I want kids. And he's like, well, be careful. You got to get all your selfish stuff out of the way before you have kids. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. I was just thinking, my house has things I'm pretty sure kids would break. So, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, but Tyree's in the movie called Born a Champion. So, Born, a, Born a Champion. Okay, he's, cool. He's the fighter in it. So he's in a big fight scene. I can see that. Yeah. Born a Champion. Perfect. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. 
Um, and then I think we have one more challenge question, and then we're gonna we need to know everything about music. So go, if, yes. if you want to ask that last one. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the challenge, you did three challenges total. Overall, you did pretty well. Um, would you ever go back and do the challenge again or an all-stars perhaps? So when I got put on the real world, I wrote myself a personal promise that I would do three challenges and no more. And the reason was, is I didn't want to become somebody who didn't look like in their life, they moved on from the challenge and did anything else. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be coming back all the time because I just felt like that would just make me look like someone who hasn't, you know, hasn't moved on. So I did my three. And in the third, I emotionally was not enjoying it, which was the rivals one in Costa Rica. At that point in my life, I was sober. At that point in my life, I was probably the oldest person on the show. Not literally the oldest, but I was just like closer to being the oldest so I was like more mature and I just didn't have patience for the immature aspect of the show with like 21 year olds binge drinking alcohol. Like I think I was like yeah. 28 or 27 and I was just like, this is, I was just annoyed the whole time. And when I got off mm-hmm. that one, I was like, no more. And then I landed a job that year after at a record label in New York city. And my boss told me like, you can't do challenges. I won't give you the time off to go do a challenge. Yeah. So, and I worked that job for two years and in those two years, they did reach out to me twice and asked if I was available, but I don't know, but maybe if it was God's hand, they never actually laid an offer down for me to be on the show. They just checked my availability. And then since then, they've never asked me again. Now in this like later time in my life, I'm open to coming back and doing one, but I also have a pretty full calendar and I'm working on my career as a musician. And I don't know that it would be the right step for my music career to do one again. But I'm open to it, so I'm not going to say never. So we'll see. That makes sense. Paramount and MTV, reach out to Davis about Challenge All Stars. I heard it's only only a two-week filming period. So I could do two. That might work. And and it's older. It's like older people. Not like older. Like. 30. I'm old now, apparently. But um, so (laughs) um, it's like, I agree with you, like with the drinking and stuff. I don't think I could ever be on a reality TV show where there was just alcohol all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like as a sober person, that's not fun to be around. No, not at all. Um, so you have officially gone from like reality TV to singer songwriter. You're definitely on your way up in the music industry. You've done so much. Can you tell us like a little bit about that transition and just about your career in general? Yeah. I mean, I, I dreamt of being a singer since I was a little kid. I was like dreaming of being in the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. For example, I really loved Usher's music and really wanted to be somebody like him. Um, when the real world ended, I was kind of lost as to what to do with that opportunity and how to get into music. Um, I found my way becoming a music writer for an MTV owned website for a year. And that put me like face to face with a lot of artists as I was getting to know, I interviewed Janelle Monet and Ellie Golding, Empire of the Sun and people that were you know pop artists at the time. And that's what led me to getting a job at the record label I mentioned. And I worked at a label for two years and I really loved it. It was the label home to Swedish House Mafia, David Getty, David Guetta, Kylie Minogue, the B-52s, Halsey. It's called Astroworks, and it was like a dance pop label that was part of Capitol Records, Universal Music Group. And I did that for two years, and I started dabbling in 
being a creative musician, started songwriting. I took DJ school and started DJing. And I met another songwriter whose name is Parson James. He at the time wasn't well known, but a year after we met, he got on a Kygo song called Stole the Show. And it shot up to like number one or two on the Spotify global dance charts. Like he did really well with that song. And he was one of my, not my first, but one of my earliest co-writers where I actually wrote songs with someone else and I learned from them. And I guess I could say I kind of caught the bug. I had already, I mean, I was already doing it with other people. So I don't want to say that that necessarily like started off my songwriting journey because like I said, I'd written with other people before him, but just working with him and then seeing him shoot up to that level of success he, he had, I felt a lot of inspiration from, you know, that moment. Um, my dad had moved to Nashville and this town had always had a little interest because my grandmother's here, my aunts and uncles are here. And then my dad's suddenly here and I was catching wind that the way I sung, people said sounded like a Southern person sings and that I might want to check out Nashville and that it was like Mecca for songwriters. So I might want to check it out for the songwriting aspect. So I remember calling my dad and was like, dad, I want to come visit Nashville and like maybe try to set up a songwriting session for myself. Do you think you can help? he said yes and so i came down and visited and then sort of fell in love with what was going on in nashville this was 2013 so we're almost talking eight years ago and in my first year i I grabbed a a copy of a magazine called music row magazine because there's a street in nashville called music row and it was the in charge edition so they listed 300 people who were in charge of nashville at the time and their emails. And I emailed all 300 of them and was like, hi, I'm Davis. I just moved to Nashville from New York. I used to work at a record label. I was on the real world. Like, you know, my uncles work in music because at the time my uncle was an artist manager and my other uncle was a songwriter. And I was like, would you meet me for coffee? And about a hundred of them said yes. And so I spent the first six months in Nashville, like heavily handshaking and taking to coffee people that were in charge of this town. And then that's how I started to get my foot in the door with writing songs with people. And in my early songwriting sessions, I was like really quiet and just watching other people do it because I admittedly didn't know how to do it. Um, and then I started to get confident in it and then started doing it alone. And my first year, everything I wrote was country, as you would expect in Nashville. But I listened to dance music and I came from a record label that had dance superstars on it. And I still knew some of those people from that time in my life. So I started reaching out to some of the managers of these artists and saying, like, would you remix some of my songs? And then I got a cut with a Swedish DJ named John Dalback, who had released music with Avicii and released music with Swedish House Mafia. And he put out a song that I interestingly wrote with the same people I wrote the Beautiful Girls DM song with, Ben and Tori. So this is now my second songwriting session with these two people. It's my first ever signed song to a record label. And it's with a Swedish DJ that came from my past in New York City. And so it was just like a very divine moment, you know, everything kind of coming together. And then that set me up for like the following year. I had like 10 label signings. These DJs from all over that were a fan of his, you know, wanted to use my voice. It just really started my career. And that was in 2017. And that's like, I I can stop talking if you want to ask me more questions, but that's like, that's what got me started. No, that's amazing. (laughs) No worries. I think it's, I think that's actually like super um, good advice that you just like emailed everybody And that you were willing um, to, you know, just kind of like put yourself out there and just do everything it takes. I think that's really good advice for anybody, no matter like what industry they're in. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, my, my first job after college was a sales job. I didn't mention it, but I had to call a hundred people every day. And that strategy I use in everything today still when it comes to trying to make any dreams come true. It's just like it's a numbers game. You call a hundred yeah. people, one will one to ten will say yes, and then you get and then you get things moving. I love that. Yeah, so you were talking just now about, you know, how you got to where you are now when it comes to making music and songwriting and some of the artists that you've interviewed and the music that this label has worked with. Um, so how would you categorize um, the sound like of your music that you have now uh, that you have out now? Like I'm looking on Spotify. I gave a listen to your music before um, this interview. And to me, it's just like very upbeat and uplifting music, like something I'd listen to um, if I worked out um, when I was working out. Or something like that. So how would you, like, what kind of genre does this does this fit into? Yeah, I mean, my childhood influences were Christian music, because my family worked in the Christian music scene. Country music, like hip-hop, mm-hmm. and then sort of like mainstream pop. So I think those yeah. four sort of touch on what I do musically. Um, it's a okay. merger of those four, things, those four things. Yeah. Yeah, Spotify did not have like a genre listed for it. And I work for a music company, but I unfortunately know like very little about music. I just write the software <laughs> uh, for a music distribution company. And I was like trying to guess and I was like, I would say this is pretty poppy music, but yeah, I don't know if there's like a subgenre to that. I think dance or pop whenever I put a song up online. Yeah. Is that the genre that you think you'd like to stick with as you go into the future? Or are you more like, do you want to move into something else? Or You know what I mean? I'm, I'm open to experimenting within different genres. I've written country songs that I haven't even released before. And I think mm-hmm. at some point, I'll, when I'm happy and ready, I'll probably put some true country pop things out. Um, and I really am influenced by dance music. like People like Diplo or Calvin Harris are like role models of mine. I would love to get to a place where my career is as big as theirs or at the same kinds of events that they play, I could play like music festivals in the dance space. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that too. I'm a dance teacher, so I'm always looking for like music and stuff. Cool. So we were just talking about the, the genre that you, uh, that you publish right now and that you want to work in in the future. And we also see that you are also a DJ. So can you tell us more about how you got into DJing that whole experience and you know, how we can, how we can see you doing that? Yeah. I mean, when I was in my years before working at the record label, which was like, I was living in Chicago. I was really into dance at that point in my life. I started just like heavily listening to, hey, there's like an interesting story, but I, I got a job interview at MTV Corporate, and in the interview, they asked me, what music blogs do you read? And I had never read one before, and I told them that, and I think that's why they didn't hire me. And then when I, that, the takeaway from that job interview was I suddenly started reading a lot of music blogs, and mm-hmm. I just Googled, like, what's a music blog, and then just started reading them. And I would just, every day, like, checking stocks, I would just open up the music blogs and see what they're recommending. And I would download the recommendations. And so I suddenly just amassed this large library of music that was mostly pop. And I was starting to listen to a lot of things coming out of Europe. I'd also, in my college years, before doing The Real World, did a summer in Europe, like a study abroad summer. And I remember hearing David Guetta on the record label, and I'm sorry, on the radio, on the radio, and really liking his sound of music prior to him becoming famous in the U.S. Um, and mm-hmm. so I was already starting to gravitate towards 
David's kind of style of music. And he was specifically, you know, I worked at his record label in New York City. He was like an influence role model of mine. Um, still is a dream of mine to work with him as a singer. But he, he was like a huge inspiration of mine. So I worked at David Guetta's record label in New York City. And I went to his concerts and I did his marketing. And I, you know, I was on the phone call with his manager. And I was dating a guy who had already been a DJ for a few years. And for Christmas, he knew how much I wanted to be a DJ. He bought me uh, DJ classes at an electronic music school in New York. And I just like two summers ago, I texted him. I was like, I owe you a huge thank you for the gift you gave me of doing that for me, because you like started a career off for me that now sustains my life. It's like I DJ weddings and corporate events and I DJ nightclubs and music festivals and it's this stream of income that comes through all the time. And I'm, I was just so thankful that he really did that gesture for me. Um, nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you said David Guetta, somebody that you would like to work with, who else would you like to work with or collaborate with or songwrite for? And you know, yeah. who would you like to work with in any capacity? Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, Max Martin or Mark Bronson are producers. I would love the experience of, you know, having them write music for me or produce things with my voice. Disclosure, a DJ duo, have long been a goal of mine. I just love the way that they work. Now there's really cool up-and-coming people like Joe Corey, or I think it's Joel Corey, who wrote um, and produced Head in the Heart with M&UK and Bed with Ray. These are like dance records that have done well. Tiesto, The Business, like that did really well. Um, Topic and Regard, Loud Luxury. These are kind of like high-performing EDM producers. I just love the the dance genre, so I would love to work with EDM producers that can do cool things with my voice. Yes. I live in Las Vegas, and so there's like a lot of that industry out here and like I've seen I've seen a bunch of sets from like DJs and stuff all the time and I I could totally like see you in that scene I feel like that would be fun just it's fun for anybody same exact thing where I live which whereas everybody seems to be um an amateur DJ at least um so (laughs) in Amsterdam yeah you're in Amsterdam yeah Okay, so I came to Amsterdam in 2017 for ADE, Amsterdam Dance Event. Uh, okay, yeah, my company always does something big for ADE. We missed it last year, obviously. Yeah. It was an online-only event. Um, yeah, maybe someday we'll see you over there again. Yeah, I went two years later to Amsterdam Dance Event in 2019 as well. Oh, that's when I just started my job, so. <laughs> Interesting. Didn't go. Yeah. I was even considering coming this year, but I booked a DJ that same week. And I think I'm going to take the money and not come. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's always hard. Like, do I take the job or do I take the experience? Yeah. That's definitely. I really want to go to International Music Summit in Ibiza, but it's also Mm -hmm. during the time of year that I'm always booked, which is in May. So every Mm -hmm. year I've had a job and I'm like, do I take the money or do I go to Ibiza and spend a bunch of money? Yeah. Abiza yeah. is expensive. Yeah, it sounds really expensive just to get to it and staying there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someday a record label will sponsor you to go to Ibiza. Let's yeah. go. That. <laughs> That's the goal. 
Um, so you have two songs releasing, um, Don't Let Go and Rescue. So tell us how we can stream them and everything you can about them. Okay, so I wrote the first one, Don't Let Go, in Amsterdam on a rainy day after attending Amsterdam Dance Event. Met a music producer named Dave Pesho, who sent me an instrumental to sent me two instrumentals to write on. Really liked both of them. I wrote songs on both of them. He, for whatever reason, didn't release them or use them. And as what I've had happen in my life many times, I'll write songs for a DJ. They, for different reasons, didn't feel like it was the right song they wanted. And I have to find someone else to come around and reproduce music for my song. So fast forward my life and I released this song called Downtown with a Russian DJ named Diki back in, I think, 2018. And they had a remix of it made by a Russian DJ named Nairi, Nairi maybe. And I thought the remix was awesome. And I told him, I want to work with you on an original song. And I sent him a folder of my available unreleased songs and he picked Don't Let Go as a song that he really liked and enjoyed. So I sent him the acapella and he produced music around it for me. And now fast forward to the summer. It's about to come out on July 16th, Friday. Um, I was booked to DJ two or three weeks ago in Las Vegas. And I got on Craigslist and I just looked for music video companies in Miami. I'm sorry, in Las Vegas and found a company and hired them to shoot a video of me out in the desert in Las Vegas. They did a really good job. I'm really happy with it. And it's going to come out. On the same day, so July 16th, look for Don't Let Go. Nice. Then with I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, real quick, were you like dying in the desert heat when you were filming that video? I think we started at around 3 p.m. and went until dark, so it was fortunately not horrible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the second song, yeah, Rescue, coming. Rescue. So last year, well, let's say two years ago, back in 2019, I went to Berlin, Germany, with this girl named Pollyanna, who I'd met during my first time attending the Amsterdam dance event. We both got signed to the same songwriter's house. It was called Vocal Kitchen, and they basically represented songwriters and then sent songwriters instrumentals to write on. And she and I were set up on a co-write and became friendly. And fast forward to 2019. So that's 2017 when I met her. Now we're at 2019. She's coming to the USA coming to songwrite in New York City, Nashville, and L.A. and wanted to stay with me in Nashville, so she stayed with me in Nashville. Then she went on to L.A. afterwards, and then I joined her in L.A. because it was my birthday week, and it just felt like a fun thing to do. Then she invited me to go to Berlin because the music she was most proud of, she wrote in Berlin. So I took her up on this, and I flew to Berlin after. This was summer 2019. I wrote like five or six songs that week, uh, several of them are already out. One of them is on my latest album. The song's called Can You Tell Me? And I wrote the song Rescue that's about to come out with the same people that I wrote Can You Tell Me? Their names are Vincent Stephenson and Valentin Glage. They're just super cool guys. Uh, and we have a chemistry and we've written about seven songs together. We do on Zoom these songwriting sessions and every time I work with them, something really good comes from it. So I'm just like, the first day we wrote together, we wrote two songs at once. And now sometimes we'll do that. We'll just sit down and write two songs at once. So I've written, I think it's like six or seven songs with them so far. And one by one, DJs just pick them up so fast. They're like, I want them. I want them. So Rescue is an example of that. I really love the lyrics of Rescue because it's about being lonely 
And when two people meet and they're both lonely, you are rescuing each other from your loneliness. So that's the, the message with it. It's like, no, you really need sweet. a rescue, I need one too. So when you're lonely, you rescue me and I will rescue you. So That's cute. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's like what everybody needs now that we're like coming off COVID and everything's so different. Yeah. And yeah. I think I wrote it in, I wrote it during COVID. So I was definitely probably influenced by that moment in our lives. Okay. Last question that we have. Um, so our podcast is called most likely to, um, because Sean and I went to high school together and we were voted the most likely two people to be on the real world. No that way. didn't happen for us. We're not bitter. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if, if we went back in high school, what were you voted most likely to, or what do you think your class would have voted you most I, likely? I was to? voted most likely. I was okay. I was runner up for Mr. GQ, which was like okay. in the best dress, <laughs> and I was winner of class flirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I like that. So you're a heartbreaker. <laughs> I guess I was just flirting with everybody, and they all were confused as to whether or not I liked them or didn't. So. And- um, and then our last question, um, it's like the part follow-up question is, if we did a yearbook right now, what do you think that you would be voted most likely to? Or what would you want to be most, m- voted most likely to? I could say like most likely to be president of the United States. Okay. Only because I've become super like politically interested at this moment in my life. Like mm-hmm. years ago, I wasn't at all. Like currently, I'm like very kind of catching up with world affairs and politics and, you know, money and history and such. So at this moment, that would be it. I like that. Um, Okay. So we are, so here's what we'll do. We'll definitely um, put the links to um, like where people can download your music, um, your website, like your Instagram, all of that. We'll put that in the episode notes. And then when we promote it on our social media, we'll put it there too. Okay. Um, so yeah. if there's any like particular link you want me to make, I have your link tree. So I assume it's all that's correct. Great. there. Yeah, that's perfect. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so that was a great interview. He shared um, some good advice for people who are trying to, you know, get started in you know, whatever creative direction they're trying to go with their life and his path to, you know, becoming a musician. Yeah. I definitely thought it was inspirational that he emailed all 300 people in the magazine. Like that's really great. I feel like not to quote Michael Scott or Wayne Gretzky, but (laughs) (laughs) you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. So I think that was great. I really appreciated him being candid with, um, you know, what happened with CT because that's probably not a great memory. Mm-hmm. 
I also really love that him and Tyree are good friends because, I mean, they were on Rivals together. So, you know, you never know with that. And that he still is in contact with Brooke. I always loved Brooke. So, yeah, really appreciate Davis doing that for us. Yes. So we're going to put all of the links uh, that we mentioned in the episode that we talked to Davis about in the episode notes. So look for that. Yeah, definitely. He has a very wide range of music on um, streaming platforms. I've been listening to a lot of it. It's really good. Um, You can follow Davis um, on Instagram at Davis Mallory. He is still very cute, you guys, and his boyfriend is very cute. Um, So that's nice for us. (laughs) He, yeah, he has a lot of songs coming out and the music video, like Sean said, we'll link below. Yes. Let's talk about some pop culture news. Okay. So there's a little bit. Um, My pop culture news is about Erica Jane, a.k.a. Erica Girardi and Tom Girardi. I know that so many people have talked about this to death, so I don't want to do it for too long. Um, But she did finally talk about her divorce on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills the last couple episodes. And... If you take all of the legal stuff out of it, I kind of do feel for her because she was a cocktail waitress who really had nothing and married this very rich, successful, and powerful man that was 33 years older than her. Like, that's a huge power dynamic. So I definitely do believe her when she says that he was controlling and he withheld affection and she didn't feel supportive. I believe those things for sure. But... I also feel like she was maybe like a mob wife where don't ask, don't tell. Like maybe she knew some shady shit was going on, but she didn't ask as long as she got the things that she wanted. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm actually surprised. Not that I could find at least Aaron Brockovich hasn't talked about this at all, which I think is weird, but. Oh yeah. He's the lawyer. He's the Aaron player. He was on the set of the movie, like assisting. Yeah, Aaron Brockovich herself was in that movie. She was the waitress. She yeah. has a cameo. Best movie. One of the best movies. One of my top 10 movies of all time. Yes, absolutely. I need to watch that again. I need to find that. That's a good one. Yeah. But I definitely feel you about the whole mob wife thing, especially because, like, if you're married to someone, you don't have to testify against them. So, yeah. I mean, there could have been a lot of stuff going on. I think there was a lot of stuff going on and she either turned a blind eye or she didn't know enough. I don't think she knew nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard not to know nothing when something like this is going on. And I do have a hard time swallowing. Like I understand there's a huge lifestyle change for her, but I also have a hard time swallowing the, my lifestyle's changed so much. And she's living in a $10,000 per month home in Beverly Hills. So, you know, yeah, but that's just my opinion on it. Maybe it'll change as things go forward. I read, I briefly read a headline today that said that the victims that he embezzled the money from were allowed to sue her. So she had some, I mean, she probably had something to do with it. Well, maybe, but some people are saying that like the money that he embezzled, he invested into her quote unquote businesses and that's how he hid it. So it's possible that she didn't even know or that she was completely complicit. But either way, I don't think he was a good man or a good husband. So 
And I yeah. think that she has some issues, but I don't think she's a hundred percent. I don't think she should go to jail, but I don't think that she should have the lifestyle she does personally. Yeah. So yeah. What's your pop culture news? So my news is that Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton got married recently and Carson Daly was the officiant of the wedding. Uh, we were just talking about TRL. Yeah. Was that? Absolutely. That was the last. I mean, we've only had one episode before this, but we were just yeah. talking about TRL, Carson Daly, and what a weird sentence you just said. Gwen Stefani. Is it weird? Married Blake Shelton, which is weird. And then Carson Daly was their officiant. Yeah, I wonder why he was the officiant. I wonder, like... You were mine. Was the decision. Yeah, it was your efficient, but like that, I don't know, like makes more sense. I'm about to officiate another friend's wedding next year. So really? like we're close friends, obviously, right? So it's like, it kind of makes sense. I don't know why. Someone's close friends with him, I guess. Or he just offered. I don't know. It's just his new job because TRL is not on the <laughs> air anymore. <laughs> no, it's mean, fun though. It's really fun. I can um, see why people would do it. Yeah. I mean, you didn't really have to do anything, I guess. I mean, you did. No, you sort of, I had to open a Bible and read from an iPhone. It It was was, not a Bible. What was it? Let's see. That's that's just how much I know. That was an antique book that we found in my mom's house. Oh. That was not a Bible. That it just had the thickness of a Bible. I like uh, technology that the Bible is on people's iPhones now. I think that's actually kind of cool. Do you think the Bible is an audiobook? <laughs> that's a great like, question. Who narrates the Bible on Audible? I'm going to look this up. We're looking up who. <laughs> Gotta be. What do you even type in? The Bible? I type um, in Bible. The complete King James Version audio Bible. Narrated by Christopher Glenn. I don't know. Who would you want to narrate the Bible for you? If you had to listen to the Bible on Audible, mm. who do you want to narrate it? I want, um, who's the guy that does BBC Earth? David Attenborough. I want him to, I feel like he would make it so dramatic. It would be so fun. Yeah. Or like Bianca Del Rio. I would want to narrate the Bible. Okay. Either of those two would work for me. I want someone with a Boston accent to do it. <laughs> like, like Pat could do it. CT could do it. Anybody with a bo- like a really thick Boston accent, I want because then it, it would be entertaining. Also, not that like the yes. Bible isn't entertaining as it not, it's not. Okay, listen, I'm not saying it's an entertaining book. I'm just saying like the stories in the Bible capture your attention because they're trying to tell you a story. But I would like to hear it with a Boston accent. I would also like more cuss words in the Bible, personally. Well, I think the Bible is super, especially the Old Testament. I mean, God is vicious in the Old Testament. Like, there's a lot of drama in there. In the New Testament. So, interesting. That was a really interesting segment. Tell us who you guys would want to read, (laughs) hear the Bible from. I would like that. So we just want to end on a really positive note this week. We know the interview was a little bit long and our intro was because we had so many shows to talk about. Um, But self-care is really, really important. And as much as Sean and I love reality TV, that can't be the only self-care. So 
Um, we've kind of set it a goal to every week we are going to set a self-care goal, whether that be big or small, and then check in with each other every week to hold each other accountable. Um, did you do anything for self-care this week do you, that you can think of? You know what I do is I just like to take a walk, like not even go anywhere. I just walk around the neighborhood. Like it's just exercise and it's kind of peaceful, especially if you're alone or you have one person to talk to. That, if I can think about what I did in the last week, is, like, self-care to me. Okay. That's good. What about you? Um, well, I did two things. So I got my hair done, which made me feel good. Mm-hmm. And then I actually got my eyebrows done. I got them microbladed, which was kind of a splurge for me, just because I haven't really been used to doing that. But I'm a natural blonde, so my eyebrows are, like, non-existent. But... Um, Someone I know in Vegas, if you're listening in Vegas, her name is Shara Lee, C-H-E-R-A Lee um, with a G-H. But she does amazing eyebrows and it was just like good to kind of pamper yourself almost. So that's what I did for self-care this week. But next, this coming week, I think my goal is I want to read a book. So I actually read a lot, but I haven't read a book in about a month. And so I have a few that are on my list. So I would like to, I'm going to start it today and then I want it to be done by the time I talk to you again. And then if I like it, I can tell you guys what it is. And if I hate it, I could talk shit about it. So (laughs) perfect. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I, I opened the fridge today and I saw there's a face mask in there. So maybe I should do that. Maybe I should like get a robe and do a face mask and like light a candle or something. That's just very basic, but it's fun. I'm going to do a face mask, actually. I do a face mask twice a week, though, because, um, like, Hex Beauty Lab has that French clay face mask. And because Mm -hmm. it's called French clay, I feel, like, fancy. (laughs) So. From France. (laughs) It's from France. (laughs) I feel really fancy when I do it. So I think a face mask or just like even doing a little bit extra skincare is great self-care. So. Oh, yeah. And on that, definitely, you guys um, tell us what your self-care that you guys do is. Because we would love to hear it. We'll put like a little question on our Instagram stories for that. And then, of course, like. Please follow us on Instagram, most likely to pod. Um, we are going to start coming out with like exclusive content. So like extra interview sound bites. Um, that's where we'll post merch when we have it. We post polls. We interact with you guys on it. So Instagram is at most likely to pod. And then for our personal TikToks, um, which I am 98% sure that my band is up, but I haven't posted anything. That's good. TikTok's like playing with me. They took the ban off and then they put it back on immediately. But then I was still able to post. So I don't actually know what's going on. But I am at pretty underscore petty X on TikTok and Instagram as well. And I am American Perdue, A-M-E-R-I-C-A-I-N-P-E-R-D-U. I will put that in the episode notes. Of course, that is also both on TikTok and Instagram. Um, so actually next week we are going to let you vote on who the guest is. So, um, you have to actually be following us on Instagram in order to do that. So again, that's most likely to TWO 
pod on Instagram and we are going to put it in our um, stories for you to vote on who the next guest is next week. Cause we've interviewed a few people. So we have a few interviews like locked and loaded, ready to go, but we are going to let you decide who you want to hear from next. So um, I'll post that on our Instagram stories at noon Eastern time. Yes. At noon um, American, American Eastern time. <laughs> I don't know why I said American, but still <laughs> at noon Eastern time, I will post it on our, a poll on our stories and whoever gets the most votes wins. Don't forget to follow Davis on Instagram, stream his songs, watch that music video that's out. And um, we will see you guys on Tuesday next week. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people you love. Take care of your animals. And I am Paige, and thank you so much for listening. And I am Sean. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Sean. Yes, Paige? When we were in high school, I washed my face with grapefruit scrub and slept in my makeup. And how did that work out? It did not. So I always had a really good skincare routine, even back then, but I've recently elevated my routine, and I think you should too. Tell me everything. So I've been using Hex Beauty Lab skincare, and I've never been happier. Hex has the best products for someone like me with a skincare regime. I also have been using Hex, and it's perfect for someone like me who's just starting a routine but isn't a skincare guru. The Aqua Hydrating Night Cream is better than anything I've tried in any country or anything I've ever gotten from a department store. I love the Jade Aloe Hydrating Cleanser because it smells amazing and takes off all my makeup. I actually do not avoid washing my face because of this stuff. Hex Beauty Lab uses 100% recyclable packaging and is results driven. Not only that, but it is female owned and the creator of Hex Annie offers free skin consults. So if you want to try Hex, go to HexBeautyLab.com or on Instagram at HexBeautyLab to check out the products. And when you decide to buy, use our code MOSTLIKELY for 10% off and fast shipping. That's code MOSTLIKELY for 10% off. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.